first read this trial, I was really frustrated. They were shocked by the results of this study. It's pretty damning. How can we interpret these results at all? This was a very sick group of patients. I think that points a pretty tough finger at Reboa. Does this put a nail in the coffin of Reboa? Welcome back, everyone, to Critical Care Perspectives in Emergency Medicine. This is Mike Winters from the University of Maryland School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland. So happy that you are joining us for yet another CCPEM podcast. Really excited to talk about this topic and this particular article that was published just in the last three to four weeks, and it deals with trauma. We actually haven't talked about, and we don't talk about traumatic injury topics that often here. So we are excited to hit this latest article that talks about a relatively novel technique and therapy that is used with increasing frequency across the United States and across the globe for that matter for the management of potential non-compressible hemorrhage. But before jumping into this article, diving deeper into this educational topic, let me welcome in, as you know them also well, my stellar co-host here on CCPEM, Dr. John Greenwood, Dr. Peter W., Dr. Rob Rodriguez, and returning for another appearance and a much more regular occurrence, Dr. Rashid Alhadi. So we are so happy to welcome everyone. Let me turn just a little bit north of me here in Baltimore to Philly. Dr. Greenwood, how goes it for you? Oh, it's been great, Mike. Thanks for asking. Just had a wonderful October in the sense that we just finished the American Heart Association Conference. So every year I go to the Resuscitation Science Symposium and it was in Philadelphia. So a lot of really good trials, a lot of good research and just a really good time. So feeling refreshed and ready to get back into clinical work. So doing well. Thank you. That's awesome. You've benefited from several national conferences in your backyard, probably may make it a little bit easier, no incurring travel expense to get to a lot of these meetings. Absolutely. That is nice when it's 30 minutes from the house. Outstanding. All right, Dr. Alhadi, you are on the West Coast, but not for this recording. You've traveled across to the East Coast, spending time with family. You're also, I think, in the thick of interviews. How are things going? Yeah, things are going really well. Actually, we are now done with interview season. Just submitted rank list. Two days ago, just waiting for final results. So it's an exciting time. It's a nerve-wracking time. But trying to just be present during this week or so of the holiday season and then make the most of it. And so I'm really honored and excited to be here with you all. Yeah, outstanding, outstanding. Best of luck. I'm sure things will turn out exceedingly well. And you've welcomed a new addition to your family. How's that going? Yes, it's going about as well as it could go. <laughs> We're at a point now where... The little one, 11 weeks old, is able to sleep a good amount of time during the night. So very blessed and lucky that we have that privilege. Well, congratulations once again. Such wonderful news. Dr. W, I'm headed south. How are you doing? Doing fine. And just want to give a shout out. Since our last recording, it's been Veterans Day. And so thankful for those people who've made a commitment to our country and our missions. So we appreciate you. Thank you, Peter. Very meaningful. Very meaningful. Thanks. And Dr. Rodriguez, how are you out there on the West Coast? Doing great. Doing great. Looking forward to Thanksgiving. And want to point out that wherever Rashid winds up, they're going to be lucky to have him. Outstanding. Agreed. Well, let's turn our attention now to that 
topic, to the education at hand, to trauma and a certain procedure that many are familiar with, and that is the placement of Reboa. And the topic and article actually we're going to do a deep dive in was just published online in mid-October in JAMA. Lead author is Dr. Jansen, and it's titled Emergency Department Resuscitative Endovascular Balloon Occlusion of the Aorta in Trauma Patients with Exsanguinating Hemorrhage. Dr. Greenwood, I'm going to kick things over to you. Set the stage for this particular study. What, in terms of Reboa, hemorrhage, lead us into this discussion, this article, and really what were they hoping to do with this particular trial? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. So I think we all agree that hemorrhage is probably the most common cause of preventable death after trauma. And one of the more challenging patient populations that will often present to the emergency department are those with non-compressible trauma, particularly bleeding originating from the torso, the abdomen, which can be really challenging because it's really difficult to put pressure and to control bleeding in a rapid way. So these patients often progress very quickly down that hemorrhagic shock spiral. Now, there have been some recommendations and increased enthusiasm for temporary aortic occlusion to limit hemorrhage and at least temporize it and maintain cerebral and coronary perfusion until the patient can get to whether it was an operating room or some form of definitive hemorrhage control. So the Reboa, when it first came out, there was a lot of excitement that, hey, we have a way to kind of maybe address this non-compressible trauma population and hopefully improve outcomes. So it's a novel technique and it's been shown to be effective in animal models, but the evidence in humans has produced kind of divergent results or at least controversial results at best. At present, Currently, the ASEP and the American College of Surgeons recommend Reboa for traumatic life-threatening hemorrhage below the diaphragm in patients with traumatic shock who are unresponsive or at least transiently responsive to resuscitation. And for essentially patients arriving at the hospital in cardiac arrest from trauma presumed to be from life-threatening hemorrhage below the diaphragm. And I'm not sure about all of you, but I know Reboa use at Maryland, just from training there, was fairly robust, and there was a lot of national, international leaders directing the Reboa programs coming from University of Maryland, and we also have a few at University of Pennsylvania. So for me, this was a very interesting paper to go through and think a good one to talk about. So the objective of the UK Reboa trial was to examine the effectiveness of Reboa and compared it to standard of care for the management of uncontrolled hemorrhage. Thanks so much, John. Yeah, this is, I think, a very important study because we've seen this therapy, this device, this technique for now many years. But really surprisingly, this is really one of the first, if not the first, randomized trial for its placement by emergency physicians in the emergency department. So I'm excited to hear about it and really what they found. Well, let's continue. Rashid, I'm going to turn things over to you. Take us through the study itself. Set the foundation before we dive into the results. Sure thing. This study is a multi-sensor RCT, just like you mentioned. It's open-label, Bayesian, group-sequential, registry-enabled, and it took place amongst 16 major trauma centers in the UK, so a pretty broad involvement. Patients that were included were primarily age 16-plus adult patients who came to these trauma centers and had either confirmed or suspected life-threatening torso hemorrhage. 
that was deemed amenable to Reboa. The exclusion criteria for the study were patients who were thought to be pregnant or known to be pregnant or had non-survivable injuries. In terms of the intervention, one group was the Reboa group that also received standard care for these patients with hemorrhage versus the group that received only standard care alone. So in terms of the Reboa with standard care group, the clinicians within that group were required to complete a training package to prepare themselves to implement this Reboa technology. The trial itself actually did not mandate a particular Reboa product. And in terms of the location of occlusion for the Reboa, whether it was zone one or zone three, was actually left up to the clinical gestalt and the judgment of the attending physician. Now, turning over to the standard care alone group, these patients were the more kind of traditional managements of these hemorrhages, which was balanced blood product transfusion, as well as intubation, if necessary, and early operative and endovascular hemorrhage control. And in this group, apparently, they could also include open aortic occlusion. But of course, this was the non-ROBOA, the non-endovascular group. So looking at the outcomes of the study, the primary outcome was all-cause mortality at the 90-day mark from randomization. The secondary outcomes were a few different things. First, within the realm of mortality, they looked at six-month mortality, in-hospital mortality, 24-hour, six-hour, and three-hour mortality. So really that acute window from when these patients first presented. And then other things they looked at were need for definitive hemorrhage control procedures, the time to commencement of definitive hemorrhage control procedures, complications related to the Reboa, length of stay, blood product use, and the cause of death specifically. So that kind of wraps up the methodology for the study, but really interesting paper to begin with. Yeah, outstanding job, Rashid. Really an interesting, essentially, standard of care versus that same standard of care with insertion of Reboa. All right, so... Where are we at? What did the UK Reboa study demonstrate in terms of results? Should we use it? Should we not? Dr. Rodriguez, take us through the initial part of the results and let us know about that primary outcome. Yeah, Mike. So they enrolled 90 patients, 46 were randomized to Reboa, and 44 were randomized to standard care without Reboa. Their baseline characteristics were pretty evenly matched. 69% were male. 97% of the cases were blunt trauma cases. 23% required CPR upon ED arrival. So this was a very sick group of patients. There were slightly more cases of hypotension among the Reboa group upon ED arrival as compared to the standard care group. And there were higher abbreviate injury scale scores for the head region among the Reboa patients, but otherwise there was reasonable matching. Now this is key in terms of the treatment pathways results for the Reboa group. Again, they had 46 patients who were randomized to Reboa. And of these, only 19, in other words, 41% of those randomized to the Reboa group had the catheter inserted and the balloon inflated. So only 19 
or 41% of those randomized to the Reboa group got full Reboa. 17 of the 46 had responded to other resuscitative efforts and the Reboa was therefore not inserted or not needed. Two patients deteriorated before they could establish arterial access. And then eight patients, eight of the 46 or 17% of those randomized to Reboa, they could not establish arterial access. In terms of inflation, zones of inflation, 10 of those 19 patients who got the full Reboa with an inflated balloon, 10 patients or 53% of them were in zone one, and then nine or 47% were in zone three. And the median time from arrival to Reboa balloon inflation was 32 minutes, and the mean duration of Reboa inflation was 29 minutes. So again, key characteristics of that intervention group, less than half or about 41% actually had the Reboa catheter inserted and inflated. So in terms of their primary outcome, which was all-cause 90-day mortality, the mortality was higher, was 54% in the Reboa group and 42% in the standard care group. And the odds ratio of mortality at 90 days with Reboa was 1.58 as compared to standard care. So in terms of the primary outcome, not looking very good for Reboa. Yeah, very, very surprising. Thanks so much, Rob, for taking us through that and really highlighting, I think, some key key characteristics and overall findings or pathways with respect to patients. Well, Peter, well, the primary outcome did not favor Reboa. We use this a fair amount. We talk about it. We're hopeful. Were there any secondary outcomes that may set the stage for future study? Take us through these secondary outcomes and then really... What are the limitations of this UK Reboa trial and how do we incorporate this really into our practice? Yeah, so let's tag on to what Rob had to say about Reboa with the secondary outcomes. So the odds ratio for mortality at six months in hospital, 24, six, and three hours, they all increased for our Reboa group that received the standard care. So Reboa plus standard care increased mortality across the board. And more deaths were due to bleeding in the Reboa and standard care group. Most of those deaths happened to occur within 24 hours and most actually within three hours. So the median time from the randomization to definitive hemorrhage control was 19 minutes longer in the Reboa group that received standard care. I think that points a pretty tough finger at Reboa the duration of that for hemorrhaging. And so I think that that's a big factor. When we look further past those secondary outcomes to the limitations, I think you have to first say the point that Rob brought up, just how few people received Reboa, which limited the overall sample size. And so that's really small, really small. The trial was performed in the UK where the predominance of trauma is going to wind up being blunt. And depending on the center here in the U.S., we may see, like in my shop at University Hospital in New Orleans, far more penetrating trauma. 
it may not be generalizable to our specific populations or to those populations where penetrating trauma is at a higher rate. There's a low proportion of patients who actually had the Reboa deployed and inflated, right? So we said, you know, less than half of the group in the Reboa group actually had this happen and received the Reboa inserted and inflated. So that's tough. And there were some baseline differences between the groups as well. And then mortality in the current trial is higher than other studies of hemorrhage control intervention. So it looked like this group, for whatever reason, was a sicker group overall. And so those are really what I see as the limitations for this. So much, Peter. Let me just stick with you and stay with you here. In terms of Reboa and overall thoughts, and you know this being surprisingly one of the first RCTs to evaluate it, taking into account the small number, the 40-ish percent that actually got the device deployed, as well as in the setting of blunt trauma, does this put a nail in the coffin of Reboa, or does it maybe raise concern or perhaps caution, as you highlighted that essentially or close to 20 minutes longer getting to definitive hemorrhage control may make a difference? I think the delay makes a huge difference. I think the sample size makes a huge difference. This is not generalizable enough to carry this data in a blunt trauma population to change practice in my institution. We're going to continue to deploy Reboa in those patients that we feel are great candidates, and this isn't going to change that practice. The large percentage of those for our team winds up being penetrating. Yeah, well said. Rob, let me go back to you and get your thoughts just overall on the UK Reboa trial and its incorporation perhaps into your practice out at UCSF. Yeah, we don't do a lot of Reboa out here. I read this article and ran it by a couple of surgery faculty here. And what they said was that Reboa in the right hands can be useful, was their overall impression before this study came out. And they were actually shocked, a little bit shocked by the results of this study. And I, again, don't have enough experience, to be honest, to say that this would be the final nail in the coffin for Reboa, but it's pretty damning. Presumably, all these sites were familiar with Reboa. Otherwise, I assume they would not have undertaken their institutions as sites for a trial of Reboa. So I don't know. The results are not good. There was a strong, not quite, I guess, statistically significant indication of harm with Reboa. So I would say it does not look good. All right. Well said. Also, let me tag on to Rashid now in terms of you guys are out in that same area practicing. Additional thoughts from you, Rashid? I agree with you, Dr. Rodriguez. As somebody who doesn't have clinical experience, to be honest, with Reboa and is at an institution that, at least in the emergency department, does not use that in our patients with hemorrhage within the torso, I would say this study definitely would not motivate me to start as an institution using Reboa. And I would say I know there are programs throughout the country that have protocols within the emergency departments. I think if I was in one of those programs, I would start to question the implications of using Reboa, the delay to definitive treatment, 
and the real outcomes on mortality. So I too don't think, at least from this study, things look good for Ebola, but I would love to see more future research in the form of RCTs, definitely. Great comments. Well, John, I'm going to turn to you. You're going to bring us home and maybe perhaps something we haven't addressed, but I've heard recently when folks have talked about this study, the analogy being, are we similar here to the early thrombectomy with stroke trials and we need a little bit more data and perhaps it's efficacious or are those folks sort of pro-Reboa and looking for the opportunity to demonstrate its benefit? Bring us home here with your thoughts. Yeah, interesting point. Mike, and when I first read this trial, I was really frustrated, to be honest. The one positive thing I can take away from this trial is that it's clear that this device needs to be reserved for the hands of people who know how to use it and use it on a regular basis. It's not a generalizable device right now because it's technically challenging to use. And I think that's pretty clear when you have only 19 patients enrolled to the Reboa arm who received Reboa out of 46 total. Like that's crazy, right? Like 19 got the intervention out of 46 that were assigned the arm. So how can we interpret these results at all? And so I'm frustrated about this. This was at 16 centers across the UK. So when I look back at this, I say, okay, well, it does need some more time and honing of what the right patient population is and also skill development. We're seeing the same things happen right now with the trials that come out for the use of ECMO in cardiac arrest, right? We just reviewed that one trial that looked at a large number of centers who participated in ECMO for cardiac arrest. And, you know, there were a few centers that maybe did one cannulation here and there. And I don't think that those patients are probably going to do well just because we're not as familiar with the technology. Same thing here. So I think we need to do a better job at one, defining who the right patients are to receive this intervention. And once we've defined that patient population, narrow these studies down, these RCTs to just a few centers who can do and perform this device or intervention with a high level of expertise. Then we can start talking about more generalizable trials where We engage centers who maybe don't use it that often, but we can train and keep that skill level to a high level um, while they're waiting for this event to happen, which is probably pretty rare. Then we might actually see a positive trial. And whether or not mortality is the right endpoint, I don't know. Probably not, in my opinion. I think it's probably a, a definitive stepwise approach towards the overall trauma resuscitation care, and that's probably what's the more important outcome. But yeah, those are my takes and those are my thoughts and... I don't know if if you have any other additional wisdom to bestow upon us, but that's where I'm at. Well, you guys have said it exceedingly well, done a great analysis. And really, as always, I love this discussion, our ability to review hot off the press studies and kind of just talk about it and their overall implication into clinical practice when we head back to our next shift. So I am so appreciative of all of you for this discussion. Really, really great on the UK Reboa trial. We are also interested in what you all think. So please, please communicate, send us emails through the website so we keep this conversation going. Would really love to hear your thoughts and how you're incorporating or not the UK Reboa trial into all of your clinical practice and 
as we close out this podcast and as we look in the U.S. towards a bigger holiday here annually in the U.S. with the Thanksgiving holiday, we all here at CCPM want to express our gratitude and true thanks to all of you for listening to us over these past many years and continuing the conversation, the opportunity to meet and speak with many of you at our in-person conferences that continue to return following the pandemic. And we wish you all nothing but the best everywhere for a really tremendous and wonderful holiday season. We'll close out this podcast for now. We will so look forward to speaking with you on our next podcast. Bye for now.